0: Well, two weeks ago on a Sunday morning, as reality was beginning to set in on me, I had a little come to Jesus meeting. Uh, here we go again. But um, God has been really, really good. The Holy Spirit really anointed me on that Sunday morning two weeks ago, and gave me a little bit of a direction. And uh, I knew that what we needed to do is that we needed to make sure that uh, that uh, we were faithfully moving forward, and that we, as a congregation, were studying God's word. And accepting it and improving our lives because of it and so God gave me a series and we're gonna look at this series for the month of February and uh, I along with some other pastors on staff will be presenting this series to you so I'm kind of excited about this morning because I know without a shadow of a doubt that this series came directly from the heart of God and as we uh, have that just sang that song Jesus be the center of it all I can't emphasize enough that that is the prayer of my heart um, for the month that we are walking into. So thank you for being here today. So we're going to start a new series this morning and the series is titled Living in Covenant. So what does it mean to live in covenant? What does that look like? And more importantly, who is this God that invites us into a covenant relationship? Does the covenant stories of the Old Testament even pertain to my life today? Is there any value in us even looking at the covenants of the Old Testament as we struggle and navigate 2018? Now, the more that I learn about who this God is, the more I realize that I live in a little tiny fraction of all that God has for me. I realize that that God has this abundance for for Cindy. And I, I stay in a fraction of it. So... Am I too often satisfied with these little small portions of God when His provision is so grand and abundant waiting for me? Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And He wasn't meaning just the life in eternity, He was meaning right now. So, how do I step into that abundance and understand the God of covenant? So one day a boy was walking through town and he saw a poster in a window that a circus was coming to town. He was so excited he'd never seen a circus before. He had read about them and he had heard about them, but he had never attended a circus. So he was determined that he was going to get to this circus. It was $5. He didn't have $5. So that next week he did all kinds of work. He raked leaves, he cleaned up the garage, he helped his mom. He did whatever he could and at the end of the week... His dad gave him the $5 to see the circus. On that Saturday morning, he got up early and he ran into town. And there in the town, people were lined up on the streets to watch the circus parade as the elephants and the, and the clowns and all the other things that belonged to a circus were, were parading from the train station through town. It was amazing. It was exactly how he had read it in the books, He couldn't believe the the dogs and the tricks and and, and the lion tamers. At the end of that parade was the ringmaster. He was all decked out in his um, tuxedo and his top hat. The little boy just could hardly take it all in. The little boy, when he saw the ringmaster, he ran out into the street and he said, Thanks, mister. What a great circus. And he handed the ringmaster the ring his $5. Then he turned and he ran home. Little boy missed the whole point. Parades are nice, but they're not the circus. How often in my own life do I do the same thing with God? How often in our relationship with God do we settle for nice when there is so much more available to us? That's what we're going to look at in the month of February. February. Here are the themes that we have for uh, this month. Well, I know it's not February yet, but it was a five-week series, so we're starting today, okay? Um, here's the themes that we're going to have for uh, the month of February and today. And so you can kind of see where we're going with this. And our theme verse is going to be from Romans 3, 23 and 24. For everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God, yet, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight, So in order for us to understand and learn about the God of covenant, let's start in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And with these very words, God, creator, reveals the highest point of his creative activity. At this point, we become the crown of all creation. And what's even more at this point, God takes man and he puts his identity into man. Now the word image there, let us make man in our image, the the word image there actually means like a thumbprint. An impression, an impression into the clay of Adam. And that impression was only to be filled with one thing, the presence of God. In Genesis 2, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So God, he scoops down, he picks up dirt, he molds This creation of man in his own hands, and then the best part of all, he breathes life from himself into man. Can you imagine Adam opening his eyes, and he is looking at the creator face to face? That's got to be what the graduation of earth to heaven looks like for us. So then God planted a garden for the man and the woman to live in. And God made all these all sorts of beautiful trees and flowers, and he placed... Uh, trees that gave abundant fruit um, and, and food to Adam and Eve. And in the middle of the garden, as we know this story, there are two trees, the tree of life and the tree of good and evil. Now, God says only eat from the tree of life and all the other trees, but stay away from the tree of good and evil. In Genesis 2, again, it says, and God said, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. I thought about that and I thought I wonder if Adam Eve even knew what the word die meant at that point of the game. Now I've heard people say it's it's not fair. God was testing them. Really? You're gonna go there? They can eat from the tree of life. They can eat from the tree that they would never die. By the way, do you know where the tree of life is today? It's in heaven. Look in Revelations. When we get to heaven, there will be a tree of life. So what is God actually trying to keep them away from? Okay, so the tree is the tree of good and evil. They have all good. So he's not keeping them away from good, he's giving them good. So what is God trying to keep them away from? I started making a list this week. Illness, disease, heartache, pain, addictions, sin. He's trying to keep them away from evil. But he's also giving them a choice because that's what love does. Love gives us a choice, a free will. He wasn't going to make them force them to love him back. He was going to love them freely and they had to choose if their love would be free back. So in this garden, God And Adam and Eve had this perfect union. That's what covenant means. Oneness, a perfect relationship. The only thing that Adam and Eve have to do to maintain this covenant is to be one with God. And here's the really cool part. They don't even have to create oneness. God created it for them and gave it to them. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That's how I used to do it in children's church. Whenever we had that word or other words like circumcision, we would just kind of uh, whisper it, okay? And the kids reacted just like you. So now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. A covenant is not the same as a contract. In a contract, there are two equal parties. In a contract, the framework is obligation, If one party fails to meet their obligation, the other party is completely, has no responsibility to keep their obligation. That's what a contract looks like. But in a covenant, there is oneness. It's relationship. And if one party fails, the other party does not dissolve the relationship. Covenant. That's why it's so important that we say covenant in the marriage. Because if one party fails, the other party does not dissolve the relationship now enters the story a talking serpent the serpent begins this conversation with eve that leads to both eve and adam eating from the very tree that god says don't eat from and uh we know the verse so eve took some of the fruit and ate it then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too Now i want everybody every man to notice um, in this verse who was with her as a woman Eva's gotten a bad rap for long enough. Obviously, the man was standing right beside her. Yes, she was doing all the talking. Okay, go figure. But it says, who was with her? I was talking to Pastor Leon uh, this week about this scripture, and he said that actually, like, if you study the text, it it actually means that she just takes the fruit and turns right there to him right beside her. So they're together in all this, and they... uh, They eat the fruit. Now, it says in chapter 3, verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were opened. At that moment, their eyes were opened. And then suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, remember when we talked about that imprint at creation? Uh, That space that God pushes his thumb in and this, this imprint in our bodies, in our minds, in our souls that only is to be filled by God's presence? Well, when he creates us and he does that, it's up to us to allow that presence to stay there. But our selfishness and our independence pulls us away from God. When we pull ourselves away from God, that imprint is empty. And what does emptiness look like? It looks like nakedness and vulnerability and shame. So now what does the creator do? with all this willing rebellion. In order for us to really understand the story, we have to look at the heart of the God of covenants. Genesis 3, 8, and 9. When the cool of the evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking around about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to man, where are you? The first thing we notice here is how does the God of covenant respond? He comes. He seeks them out. The separation that Adam and Eve created, God seeks to bridge. God, who has every right to stay away, he pursues them. He seeks them. He comes. What does God do second? He calls. He calls them out. See, where Satan tries to condemn, God convicts. Condemnation, it attacks who we are. Condemnation tears us down. Condemnation tells us that we're worthless. Condemnation has no ending, no return. Conviction? Conviction gives us every opportunity to restore relationship. Conviction offers room to restore what we once had with God. Adam and Eve, They begin to condemn one another. Uh, It was her fault. No, it's really your fault, God, because you created her. No, it was the serpent's fault. And they begin to do the blame game. You know, at that point of the story, I don't understand why God didn't just zap them. Good thing he doesn't put me in charge of those things. I would have just walked right away. But the owner, but the creator, he owes nothing to them at this point. God owes them nothing but he doesn't strike him dead, and he doesn't walk away. But he also doesn't say, no big deal. Grace is entering the picture. Genesis 3:15 says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. God first curses the serpent. And we know that at this point in the story, we know that the serpent has the influence of Satan within him. But when God curses the serpent, God also begins to promise a redeeming hope. This verse here actually talks of Jesus. And here in Genesis 3, just three chapters in, we have a promise, a redeemer. When it refers to her offspring, it refers to Jesus being born of a virgin woman instead of their offspring or his offspring satan will bruise the heel of jesus but jesus will bruise the head of satan on the cross god then curses childbirth by making it a time of pain and he curses the land that adam and eve will have to work for the rest of their lives now notice god cursed objects he never cursed humanity god allowed the consequences but he also exercised grace to the human beings. Now, when I was a little girl, um, I was the only uh, granddaughter in the family on my mom's side. And I had Grandma Retailer. And because I was the only girl, I was her sweet pie. And so now you know why the whole world centers around me, because uh, of my Grandma Retailer. So around first grade, on Friday nights, I get to spend the night at her house. And then on Saturday mornings, we would walk the two blocks to the Ben Franklin Five and Dime. Now, millennials, you have no idea what that is, but that's where you spend pennies. Yes, there was a time where we spent pennies. And so my grandma and I would walk the two blocks down Main Street to the Ben Franklin Five and Dime. And I had my own special little coin purse that she gave me. I still have it today. And um, she would put some change in that coin purse as we went to the Ben Franklin. Now, it probably was about between maybe 7 and 15 cents. Wasn't much. I remember there was pennies in there. Sometimes there was a piece of silver. And on the way to the Ben Franklin, we would go over the boundaries. How much money is in your coin purse? You know, I really didn't do well counting money back then, but we'd figure it out. And, uh, and uh, what, what do you think you might buy today? And then remember, this was one of the boundaries, remember, that you only have what's in the coin purse. That was a tough lesson for me to figure out. So we would get to the Ben Franklin. And I'd go up and down the, the aisles, and, and I would look at the pencils and, and all the other cool things and the stickers and what I might buy with my 13 cents. And, and then there was always the best part of the store, the penny candy. And there was this whole thing of penny candy. And I would get my basket, and I would fill it with my penny candy, and then I would go up, to the counter and my grandma would be standing there and I'd dump it all out and my change and I can remember time after time after time I had way more stuff than I had change <laughs> now you would think that I would learn fast but I was a slow learner but even though this is a very very simple story of grace this is what I remember my grandma had boundaries and those boundaries helped me to grow and she would not throw an extra nickel on the counter. She would make me sort out what I couldn't pay for and put it back. She didn't make me put back all of it, just what I didn't have enough money for. I'm sure I had no idea what taxes were back then. But what a good lesson for a grandma to teach. If she would have ignored those lessons, I would have been spoiled. Right now, my brother said more spoiled. But instead, She gave conviction, not condemnation. Grandma confronted. She stood beside me, and she helped me adjust my actions. She didn't adjust my actions for me. The heart of God, he convicts, and that's okay. And then God covers. In Genesis 3.21, And the Lord God made clothing from the animal skins for Adam and his wife. This is a turning point in all of history. This was the death of the first living thing by the hand of God, the creator. He took his creation and he sacrificed it to give covering for the nakedness and shame of Adam and Eve. As we go through this series of this next month, you're going to see a repeating themes that are in every one of our covenant stories. And one of those repeating themes is the shedding of blood. So here in verse 21, we have this practice beginning where God sheds blood to cover our sins. The one thing that, that loomed at me this week as I was studying this is that God didn't require Adam and Eve to do anything. He did it all. It doesn't say that he made Adam kill the animal. It doesn't mean that he made Adam skin the animal or make the clothing. God did it all for Adam and Eve. Now, Thinking about that, was there anything they really could do in that situation? God wanted a relationship, and they chose independence. God met them where they were at and offered the relationship back to them, learning the heart of a God of covenant. In Ephesians 1, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Praise God. Back to Genesis. And the Lord said, Look, the human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the garden. We might think that's kind of harsh, but let's think about it for a minute. If they stayed in the garden and ate from the tree of life, they would never die. They would be completely separated from God's presence for all eternity. They would live in a fallen world with fallen bodies, with no hope of death. Did you hear what I said? No hope of death. But to remove them from that garden gave them the ability, the privilege, the honor to one day die and live with God forever in perfect relationship. Hmm. This is another thing that we're going to see in this series, that God draws us out to draw us in. He drew them out of the garden to drew them into a closer relationship. Romans 5:20 says, but God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let's look at the heart of a God of covenant. God is one who still comes. He always acts first in your life. He always makes the initiative towards you, and he always is pursuing you. God calls you. His impulse is to embrace you far greater than the impulse to ever reject you. We can never make our way back to God by ourselves. He meets us where we're at, and he draws us in. God still confronts. He loves us enough to convict us. He loves us more than judgment. Even in a perfect world, Adam and Eve could not get beyond their desire for independence and selfishness. So how much more in the most unperfect world do we need to try to maintain our righteousness with God? He confronts us, willing to restore us and redeem us. And he covers us. He never leaves us broken. He always goes out of his way to restore us no matter where we're at. Well, the story doesn't end there. It's kind of cool. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Adam and Eve gave birth to a son with the help of the Lord. Now they're living in a fallen world. But God has not abandoned them. So as we work through this series over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what it means to live in covenant. Let's not settle... For just nice things about God Let's start diving in To the abundant things of God Let's pray Wow I'm just so excited About what you've already taught me um, In getting into the scriptures Father And as we begin to look Moving forward through the Old Testament um, You do have a lot A lot from those stories For our lives in 2018 Wow the hope The hope of being our redeemer Thank you so much for that And God, this morning, if there's someone here and they feel like they're too broken, they feel like they're too far gone, they feel like their independence has severed the relationship with you, let them see your heart. Let them know that you're a God who redeems and restores. Let them know that there's never too far that we can go. Will you do not try to find us and fill those imprints of our lives with your presence? Lord, as we... um, as we leave this place this morning, may we be agents of your heart. May we be agents of a redeeming God. May we exercise the same redemption that you give us to other people, that the world will see you because of us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite uh, Tim Schwager, a member of our LLC, to the uh, platform. Um, he's going to share an announcement with us. He's right here.
1: (laughs) By the way, I had to open my eyes while you guys were praying to make it up here, so I apologize for that. Uh, As Cindy said, my name is Tim Schweigert, and I am a member of the Lay Leadership Council, as well as the current acting treasurer of Kankakee First Church. Anytime the Lay Leadership Council has a difficult decision to make, especially decisions that affect those who work for the church, we do not take it lightly. Over the last six months, Pastor Andrew and the LLC have done a complete analysis of where our church is currently allocating our resources for staff positions and ministry compared to where we felt God was leading us in the future. During that analysis, we uncovered other part-time staff positions that we feel First Church needs to hire in the near future. These positions will help us meet the vision and mission of writing God's story on our community. In order to add these ministries and stay financially responsible, it required us to make an adjustment to the worship arts position, transitioning that role from full-time to part-time. This obviously impacted Pastor Sharon Norman, who has served as our full-time worship pastor over the last four years. A couple of different options were given to Pastor Sharon, and I'll let her explain her decision. Before that, though, the Lay Leadership Council would like to publicly thank Pastor Sharon for the way she handled the LLC's recommendation and her spirit as she made the decision. We're excited to see what God has for Kankakee First Church and for Pastor Sharon as both of our ministries continue. Pastor Sharon.
2: When Pastor Andrew came to me with the board's decision, while I was a little surprised at the timing, I was not at at all shocked um, that this was placed before me. What most of you don't know is that for the past year, or a little more than a year and a half, I have been wrestling with a passion that God has sparked in my heart. I wrestled because it was not music-related, and for nearly 40 years, everything about my life has been music-related. While this passion does not depart from my calling to champion the worship of the church, it does depart from how I have always done that. Because of this passion and at God's leading, I entered the Master's of Business Administration uh, with a concentration in healthcare program at Olivet because I knew I would need some new competencies that I did not have to live out this passion. All of this helped me to understand that I need, what I needed to do because there was no way I could work a part-time job, which if you've ever worked part-time in ministry, you know there is no such thing as part-time. Um, also get a full-time job to compensate for the salary that was lost, go to school full-time, and be a wife and mom to my family that needs me. I'm all that, but I'm not all that. So... As the options were laid before me, I believe God to making making it very clear that he was releasing me from my role as a worship pastor here at First Church. Some ask, does this mean you're done singing or leading music? The answer is absolutely not. It is my gifting, it is my wiring, and God is not changing who I am. It only means that I am no longer doing this. In the capacity here as associate pastor of worship arts i will continue to travel and do music ministry as well as consulting and worship arts for churches and organizations that think i might have something valuable to add to their community my family and i will also be staying at first church because this is our home we came to Bourbonnais to come to first church we didn't come here to go somewhere else and so I will serve in our church as long as my presence is a blessing and not a hindrance. And uh, if, you know, whoever is in this place thinks I'm good enough to be on the worship team, I'll, uh, I'll sing too. <laughs> as some has le- have learned of all this, I tend to get two responses. The first one is, I am sorry. And the second is, are you Okay. Please allow me to offer you some assurance. There is never a need to be sorry for the work of God in my life. I'm not sorry. I have, led, I have led by his spirit and served you wholeheartedly with joy. There is nothing at all to be sorry about. I would rather be in his will experiencing a little discomfort than outside of his will living foolishly savoring the temporary ease of life for this reason alone i am more than okay i am right where he wants me to be doing what he wants me to be doing the beautiful thing about living in covenant with god is that you are always assured that god will hold up his end of the bargain for this reason it gives me peace and i am all good
3: So uh, the LLC wanted to, uh, with Sharon, make you the, make this announcement uh, just as another example that we are trying to full disclosure and be open and honest and present everything to you so you guys are in the know. And um, we wanted to do, to do this together to let you show that we are united and that we love Sharon, we love Brent, we love the girls, We are so thankful for what God has done in their lives and through their lives for all of us and for this community. So in saying all that, uh, we would like uh, Sharon and Brent, if uh, I think Brent is here, if you guys would uh, come down to the altar. Um, We would like uh, the LLC who is here this morning to come and gather around, Brent and Sharon, and we're going to pray for them. And we're going to pray for God's leading in their lives. We're going to pray for God's continual blessing in their lives. So, yeah, Brent, if you'd come forward. um, And LLC, if you'd come forward and gather around them. And I'm going to invite, after the LLC gets around them, uh, anybody else who has been a part of the music ministry, if you feel led and would like to come down, or anybody else would like to come and gather around them, I'm going to lead us in a prayer um, of God's blessing in their lives. I'll just give you a minute. Father, we acknowledge, first of all, that you are God. We acknowledge that uh, your ways are higher than our ways. We acknowledge that you are all wise. We acknowledge that you love us. We acknowledge that you have a plan for us. And we acknowledge that that plan is good. And our faith and our trust in you is strong. Father... um, Sharon and Brent have been such a blessing to us and their girls, Father, this whole family. We are so thankful for the season that we've had under her leadership and her direction. God, just what she said this morning is such an evidence of the song that she sang earlier that Jesus be the center of it all. Jesus, you've been the center of her life and her family's life. You've been the center of her ministry and you've been the center of this morning right now and even in this announcement god thank you for sharon's heart thank you for her love and her obedience for you and for this church god thank you that you are going to do a miraculous work in her life and in the life of brent and their children god i pray for blessing on them god provide them with wisdom and endurance as they go through their their schooling god give them great success there show them great favor their father Our heart and our prayer is is that you provide employment for Sharon that you open up doors God to be their provider and God I just pray that you would just give them great joy as they go down this journey Father, and don't let them ever, ever forget how much we love them, how much we appreciate them, how much they are a part of us. They're a part of this church. They're a part of this community, God. Thank you for that favor. It's, a, it's been such a blessing. And we look forward to what you're going to do. We're excited, God, for, for the story that we're going to hear from Brent and Sharon and their girls and, and from the story of, of how you continue to lead and direct this church. Praise your name, God. God, as we go from here, thank you for the message. Thank you for the message of redemption. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Pastor Cindy and what you've laid on her heart. And, God, as we look forward to uh, what you're going to tell us and teach us through this series, God, uh, we're excited for that. God, bless Pastor Andrew. Father, this Tuesday, I we are so excited for the story that's going to continue there. Praise your name for the healing that you've done. Praise your name for the work that you've done done in his life and Simone's life. And, uh, God, I pray for wisdom and direction and, God, further healing and your control over Pastor Andrew's life. We love you, God, and we give you all praise and glory in your name. Amen. You are dismissed.